in Jude. And I think tonight we're going to cover some things where perhaps you've had a little bit of a um, lack of understanding. I know for a long time I struggled with a few of the verses that we're going to look at tonight. But I love the word of the Lord. And I really believe that Christians have got to come to understand the word. We've got to understand the scriptures. We've got to know what we're talking about. Um, I believe we ought to have a balance in the moving of the spirit and understanding the scriptures. There ought to be a balance. I think some people go off in one extreme and everything is, uh, you know, miracles and signs and wonders. And then you go to the other extreme and there are no miracles and signs and wonders and it's all the word. I think you ought to strike a happy balance because guess what? They're both valid. They're both valid. But I find in, in the charismatic church particularly, uh, people just don't know the word like they should. And so uh, we're going to learn the scriptures and we're looking at Hey Jude. So let's stand and we're going to read just this first verse and then you can be seated the rest of the night. And let's read it out loud together, can we? But you, beloved, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It's funny, I say that and 30 people look at me and say, that's you. All right, well, let's start again. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your blessing tonight. Speak to us, open the eyes of our understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. God bless you. That is good. All the time. All right, after scathingly rebuking the false teachers, Jude turns his focus onto the church, which is, but you, beloved. Before looking at his instructions, let's summarize the 14 word pictures that Jude uses to describe these false teachers. I mean, you talk about being scathingly rebuked. I mean, Jude, let them have it. So I want you to read these words out with, loud with me because, I mean, if somebody called me all these things, that'd be fighting ground. Amen? Look, let's come together. Creepers. One, two, three. Let's start over. Ready? Creepers. Ungodly. Filthy dreamers. Brute beasts. Spots in your love feast. Water. Fruitless trees. Raging waves. Wearing stars. Crumblers. Complainers. Mockers. Persons. And discord. 14 different ways to criticize a false teacher. And he's just talking about people now who were twisting the word of God. So I want you remembering always that by himself, this is Jude being moved on by the Holy Spirit. This is Jude being moved on by the Holy Spirit. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I'm preaching that on the radio right now. The authority of scripture all is given by inspiration of God. And if we can't, if we can't land there, we're never going to defeat the devil. You will never defeat temptation. You'll never live a godly life. If you throw the word of God out the window, you'll never do it. And now we're in the day that we're watching entire denominations throw the word of God out the window. Just watching them throw, throw it away. Now, I predict that any denomination or individual that does that is going to shipwreck. So we've got to, church, we've got to land on this ground. 
that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. And so you can't take a verse here and a verse there and say, well, I don't think Jesus said that or that doesn't make sense to me. So let's just remove it. Because if you remove one verse, the whole Bible is suspect. And we have extremely strong, irrefutable reasons for believing that the Bible is the very Word of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, God took me to that conclusion early on in my Christian walk because I was raised in a home that was uh, very intellectual, and I was attacked for my faith with reasonings that were very compelling. So I had to dig deep early to come to the conclusion this was the Word of God. So Jesus believed it. Now, you can start right there, and that's good enough for me. Jesus validated the story of Adam and Eve. Jesus validated the story of Noah. He validated Jonah. He validated many of the Old Testament stories that liberals in our day say were myths and fables. So if Jesus said, I believe it, and he preached it and stood on it, that's good enough for me. Because for me, everything revolves around points to and lands on the person of Jesus Christ. I believe God sent his only begotten son into the world to save sinners. And no one else in the history of mankind was ever given among men to do that thing, to do that, to do that, to die for the sins of men. Jesus was the sacrificed lamb. He was God wrapped in flesh. He was God incarnate. And so when we read things like Jude and these 14 labels he attached to these false teachers, I hear something in this. I hear the voice of God and how important it is to God that we keep the doctrine found in this Bible pure and true and teach it right. Because look at what God thinks about people who twist it and skew it. Creepers, ungodly, raging waves. I mean, on and on it went. So can you agree with me that that God takes his word very seriously? He takes his word very seriously. Okay? Now, I want you to read this with me because I put um, three verses together. I should have put that over there to the upper left, but I didn't. But read this again with me now that we've read those names, and then let's get into it. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts, These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. All right. But you, when he says, but you, it really translates, but as for you, in contrast to the apostates, let me talk to you now. Now, the word remember is not only to recall, but it's to mention, it's to talk about to keep something in front of you. The 12 apostles had prophesied the emergence of mockers and divisive, sensual persons. And Jude is calling to the memory of these Christians that he's writing to. He's calling it to their memory. Do you remember what Peter said? Do you remember what Paul said? Do you remember what John said? Because remember now, folks, 
Jude does not identify himself as an apostle. So he says, let's talk about the apostles. What did the apostles tell you? Well, apparently, we don't have a record of all of it. We've got a lot of it in the New Testament. But apparently, the apostles really harped on this. Church, the day is coming. There's going to be mockers, false teachers, liars, twisters of the word. And you're going to have to stand strong. So Jude is saying, not only to remember it, but recall it and talk about it and keep it alive amongst yourselves. You know, I think that's why it's good in church to always talk about the blood, always talk about the cross, always, always converse about the things that our faith stands. Not just remember them, but talk about it. Gossip the gospel. Amen? So he says, mockers, they told you mockers were coming. Now, what is a mocker? Mocker means to jeer, to hurl insults, to act like a child on the playground. It was used to describe those who cast insults at Christ. A mocker is somebody who takes flippantly and lightly and casually and not seriously the things that are foundational to the Christian faith. A mocker will go on, tel- will go on television, and I see them all the time now. I see them on the news. I see these people all the time. And they will, they will mock and ridicule and jeer at people like this girl. This girl who was the valedictorian of her class. And so she was asked to give the, the speech at the graduating ceremony. And oh my God, she talked about Jesus. And do you know what they did? They killed her microphone. In the middle of her speech, killed her microphone. Said, you can't mix church and state. You can't interfere with church and state. There are people out there who were not Christians, and they were offended by what you said. Well, I watch stuff and listen to stuff all the time. Spoken by secularists and agnostics and atheists that offend me. But nobody cuts their mic. They cut this girl's mic. And left her talking to herself in the middle of the valedictorian address in America. In America. Who would have ever thunk it? In America. And as I watched different news commentators dealing with this story, I heard these news commentators call Christianity a myth and a fable She even went so far as to mention that Jesus Christ had died for her sins. And because he had died for her sins, that's one of the reasons she was there that night. And they mocked her saying that Jesus had died for her sins. And they openly on national television called it a myth. Mockers. Now, because the 12 apostles predicted to the church 21 centuries ago, that these people were going to appear. He, was, he, he certainly wasn't saying they're going to appear in the first century and then disappear. They've always been here. So we need to understand, church, that there are always going to be people who are going to jeer at and mock and undermine and ridicule and make fun of, like little children on a playground, the fundamental truths of the Christian faith, which only makes me want to preach it harder and stronger and with more fervency. Because... Because to the world, the gospel is folly, 
but to those who believe the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, you know, I've been talking to Tom Dooley a little bit lately because we're, we're gearing up for this thing in Reunion Arena in October. And so far, he's, he's nipping at the heels of 400 guitar players, and we're moving on up. And I'm going to tell you something. I said, Tom, you know, we're going out there where the rubber meets the road. We're going out there where there really are going to be some lost people, atheists, agnostics, people who are hostile to the gospel. And I'm going to fast and pray before that, before that event, I believe, unless God tells me not to. But I'm going to really pray that thing up, and I know he won't tell me not to do that. And I'm going to walk out in the power of the Spirit, and I'm going to say very little except Christ and Him crucified. And I don't care if people walk away and make fun, because let the mockers mock. When the Spirit of God moves, people will be touched and saved, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But the mockers are here. As if you didn't know it, the mockers are among us. And we read the 14 things that God thinks about them. Sensual persons, where did he say that now? He said, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Sensual persons means natural or unrenewed, not born again. The state of the soul untouched by God. In other words, these false teachers did not have the Holy Spirit. They were false. When he calls them sensual, we tend to think of sexually sensual, but that's not what it means. It means just untouched by God, unnatural, unrenewed, somebody that hadn't been born again, somebody who is functioning and operating totally out of an unrenewed soul that has never been touched by the Holy Spirit. So they're natural, and it's translated sometimes sensual, but that's what it means, out of the soul that hasn't been touched by God. Who cause divisions. The King James Version will say, who separate themselves. Who separate themselves. Now here's what it means when it says they cause divisions. I don't know what your Bible says, but I think who cause divisions is the new King James, I believe. And who separate themselves is the King James that Jesus spoke in. You know what really makes me nervous when I say that? When a few of you go, Amen. I worked for somebody one time, and I, and I love them. I love them very much. But they were just convinced that the King James was the only valid Bible. And who separate themselves is the King James that Jesus spoke in. You know what really makes me nervous when I say that? When a few of you go, amen. I worked for somebody one time, and I, and I love them. I love them very much. But... They were just convinced that the King James was the only valid Bible. And boy, we had some go-arounds about that. King James is a translation. I'll go ahead and really transgress and tell you that I think probably the best translation is the New American Standard. That might even be better than the authorized version, but that's free. Go chew on that one. All right. But when the King James says who separate themselves, it means they separate themselves by drawing boundaries to disjoin and part and separate from one another. 
Jude is speaking of those who draw a line through the church. They cause controversy. They teach controversial things. And it draws a line through the church. And they set off one part from another. Their teachings bring controversy and division, not unity and peace. Now, I've been doing this for a real long time. I started teaching uh, when I was 18 years old. And I'm going to be 39 tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) And I've been celebrating that birthday for years. No, actually 53. And I started when I was 18. And I've noticed something. When false teaching sails out there into the church, it, it draws a line right through it. It causes division and controversy. You've got clusters of people that gather together to talk about what they're hearing. And there's controversy. There's an inability to sort of settle with what they're hearing. But when you teach sound doctrine, the, the, the church is sort of a word of counsel, friends. Keep a sharp eye out for those who take bits and pieces of the teaching that you learned and then use them to make trouble. They proof text. Now, hang on a second. You're going to look at the... They proof text. A text without a context is a pretext. A proof text is when they'll take little pet verses and build a whole doctrine around them without putting them in context. They pull them out of context. And make a whole doctrine out of one or two or three pet verses. Instead of giving. This is why we're going through whole books. Because I want you to get the whole counsel of God. But, but false teachers will, will pull a few verses out. Like he said bits and pieces. And they'll form doctrines around them. Without anything that came before it. Or anything that goes after it. They make the words say what they want it to say. Not what it says. And there's a whole bunch of that floating around in our day. I hear some things and I go, beam me up, Jesus. Where did they get that? I'm talking Looney Tune, E.T. phone home stuff. Crazy baby stuff. And I know what they're doing. They never stop doctrine out of one or two or three pet verses instead of giving this is why we're going through whole books because i want you to get the whole counsel of god but but false teachers will will pull a few verses out like he said bits and pieces and they'll form doctrines around them without anything that came before it or anything that goes after it they make the words say what they want it to say not what it says And there's a whole bunch of that floating around in our day. Right. You know how I know it's not right? It troubles me. It troubles me. I can't tell you why it troubles me. But something about what I just heard, I may not understand it up here, but something in here is saying, "Mm." and that's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, warning, like the robot in Lost in Space. Warning, warning. This is real. And we have seen what God thinks about this, haven't we? Fourteen different ways to nail these people. So look what Paul said. Give these people a wide berth. 
They have no intention of living for our master, Christ. They're only in this for what they can get out of it and aren't above using pious, sweet talk. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. To dupe unsuspecting innocence. Just let that sink in. I don't want to be duped. Can I be duped? You better believe it. Can you be duped? You better believe it. Some of you done been duped and you're sitting there duped and don't even know you're duped. There is nobody immune to being duped. That's why we've got to stay in the Word and learn the Word. Not that we walk around like people who are always right about everything. No, but even my dog sniffs of something before he eats it. Are you okay over there, Bill? (laughs) Well, isn't that the truth? Here's Bill. He's just going, where has he come up with these things? I'm telling you, my dog has more wisdom than some Christians. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, all right. Verse 20. Can you read it with me? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Building up means to build upon or to finish the structure of which the foundation has already been laid. So we're building on a foundation. Now keep that in mind. All of you. How many of you in here are saved? You know how you got saved? Jesus. What's your foundation? Jesus. Now watch. The most holy faith, he mentions, is not referring to the faith exercised by the saint, which is you, but to the Christian faith, Christianity. He's saying, building yourself up on the principles, the doctrines, the truths within the whole Christian faith. We, the saints, are called to build up our Christian lives on the foundation of all that God has done for us in salvation, such as making us a partaker of the divine nature, giving us the Holy Spirit, and the priceless Word of God. Now, I used to read that and go, well, all right, what am I supposed to be building with? And there's a curious set of verses in 1 Corinthians 3, and I want to look at them because I think it's going to help to make this whole thing make more sense to us tonight. Now, this is the message Bible that I'm reading out of, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. Or to put it another way, you are God's house. Paul said temple, but you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me, Paul is talking now, using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. But let each carpenter, you, who comes on the job, take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, and what is that? Jesus Christ. So you're a house. The foundation has been laid. When you heard the gospel and you got saved, the cement foundation was laid. 
Christ. And if you didn't get saved by Christ, you're not saved. All right? Now, our spiritual house began with the foundation, which was salvation through Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. Now he says, he goes on to say, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. I like that. So I I used to read that and go, well, what are the building materials? Because there is going to be an inspection. Now let's be clear. He's not talking about the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20. Because we're not in that judgment. That's for sinners. So what inspection is he talking about? He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. The day is coming when all of us will be brought before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody washed in the blood of the Lamb. And God, or Christ actually, Christ will try or test the character or the quality of what we built the found, on top of the foundation with. As carpenters, as people who are commanded to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, there are some things your mama can't work it out for you, your daddy can't work it out for you, your grandparents can't work it. Listen, nobody's going to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ but you and Christ. So there is a responsibility for every one born again to build on the foundation. So what are the materials? The inspection will be the judgment seat of Christ. Look what he goes on to say. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with anything. Whatever you built on top of the foundation, the way you lived your life, it's going to be tested. Okay? The correct building materials, I believe, without question, are sound teaching, which results in a wholesome Christian life. Paul calls them gold, silver, and precious stones as opposed to wood, hay, and stubble. I believe they're we could, meta, we could, we could uh, allegorize this a lot. Let me just toss something out. The goal could be understanding the, the grand themes of the Old Testament, having that understanding of what God taught to prepare the way for the New Testament. Then the silver of the New Testament, the blood, the cross, saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. All of the grand sweeping doctrinal themes of Scripture, grace, salvation, the blood, Jesus, the only way, silver, and precious stones, verses here, verses there, teachings like messages that I bring all the time, that that anybody teaching the Word of God brings all the time, just throwing out precious stones. Here's one. Did you build with gold, silver, and precious stones, or did you drift over into wood, hay, and stubble? Did you build into your life worldly philosophies, worldly ways of living, ungodly ways of conducting your life? Did you depart from the sound teaching of the Word of God? The day will declare it 
because it'll be tried by fire. At the judgment seat of Christ. Because you can be saved and not build your life on the teachings of Christ. If your work passes inspection, he goes on to say, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. Here's what happens, folks. I want you to hear me on this one. You lose your reward. The Bible talks about crowns, the crown of the soul winner, the crown of the faithful pastor. Uh, um, Several crowns are mentioned in the New Testament. I believe that you can be saved and just saved and get no reward. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus said, where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, if if I couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told me to do it. We can't take anything with us, but we can send things ahead. So when we live for Christ and when when we wash our minds with the Word of God and live the way the Word teaches us... Every day that you obey the scriptures, every day that you obey the word, you're a carpenter building on the foundation. And here goes a two by four there and a two by four there and, and, and here goes some plywood there and here goes, and, and you're building on the house so that when, when you finally die or get raptured, you have spent your life building on the foundation that was Jesus Christ with the gold and the silver and the precious stones of sound teaching and godly living. So you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This passing of inspection is speaking of whether or not you added sound teaching and as a result, a godly life onto the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you didn't build onto the foundation with the gold, silver, and precious stones of sound teaching resulting in a subpar Christian life, you will lose your reward, but you yourself will be saved, (laughs) but just barely. Mm. I mean, the blood will get you in. Thank God for that. The blood will get you in. But I don't know about y'all. Hey, I want to take some things or send some things ahead of me, and I want some rewards. I want a crown or two to cast at Jesus' feet. This is real. This is not works salvation. This is works because of salvation. All right, we're about done. This is what Jude is talking about when he says... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Building on that foundation. Now, finally, praying in the Holy Spirit is talking about prayer being the vital factor in the Christian life, which activates all the other departments on the Christian experience. In order to pray effectively, the saint must be spirit-filled, spirit-controlled. The spirit, when yielded to, leads us in our petitions and generates within us the faith necessary to acceptable and answered prayer. Amen. So all of us have the foundation. How are we building? How are you coming, carpenter? 
How's it going? Well, you know what? It's never too late to start. Get out there and live for God. Build the Word into your life. Walk out the Word. Do good works as the Lord leads you to do them. And just know that every time you do it, you're building on that house. You're building on that house. Amen. All right, can we stand together? Boy, I love the Word of God. Well, how many of you needed this tonight? Amen? Isn't that good? Lord, we just thank you that we have the foundation laid. But Lord, that's just the beginning. Help us to build on top of that foundation with gold and silver and precious stones. With your truth and works of obedience. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to present us to the Father without spot, blameless. And I pray, Lord, for this whole church with a well-built, strong house reflecting a lifetime of walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen.